All Packers, all the time. Matt LaFleur has to do more to make it better for him. That said, he did. The, Jordan Love did not play well enough last night. And that's what happens with first-year starters. Okay, most of the time. Almonds specifically them. or all nuts? Well, these nuts, those nuts, whatever nuts work. <laughs> it's Jason Wildy on Jen, Gabe, and Chew. Brought to you by Boucher Automotive. With 16 different new car brands and over 35 pre-owned brands to choose from. Boucher Automotive. We are driven by you. Also sponsored by Century Foods. Win two tickets to see Green Bay host Kansas City on Sunday, December 3rd. Compliments of Century Foods. Find the weekly code on Century's Facebook or Instagram and enter to win. He is our friend. He is our teammate. He is Jason Wilde. He joins us three times a week here on Jen, Gabe, and Chewy. Good morning, Jason. I love Dude Fridays. <laughs> Just kick back and enjoy the Dude Fridays. Yeah, you know, it, uh, Paul always says that because the dogs ride with me wherever I drive generally. Sure. That my car smells like, or my truck smells like uh, dogs and boys. And and I I assume that's supposed to be some sort of negative connotation. It's definitely not a positive one, Jason. Stink. Yeah, and dogs stink. And I'm offended. Stella and Sadie are offended. We're all offended. I think I think this show smells great when it's the three of us. Oh, Thank you, Jason. I appreciate that. And you know what? After reading your story about Luke Musgrave over at Madison.com, it would appear that Luke Musgrave has some things in common with our boy Chu. He can, you know, he can get yelled at and it's not going to bother him. Yeah, I'll I'll tell you guys what. I really, you know, I had not gotten much one-on-one time with him. Uh, the only thing that's missing from his parallel with Chewy early in my career covering the team is having a locker that was impossible to get to because it was tucked in the corner. Uh, he, his is much more accessible in the football-shaped locker room than where Chewy's was. Plus, I'm not intimidated anymore. Chewy was a mountain of a man when I was a young reporter, and him and Holmgren both towered over me, and so I was a little intimidated by each of them. Um and now we're all friends, you know. I could, I still talk to my. Well, my locker, Jason. My locker smelled like dog, in boys. Yeah, it smelled, <laughs> which is worse than dog. Let's, I mean, let's be honest there. It's a good thing that it was in the corner. I still don't understand how you got dressed though. So for those that have never heard Chewie and I talk about this, so in the old locker room, you know, there was a bank of lockers along the long wall, and then there were other, you know, the shorter walls there were other lockers and then there was the entry into the shower area. There was a tiny door in the back corner to go elsewhere out of the locker room. And then there was the main door in the front corner of the locker room and Chewy's locker was the front end of the locker room in the far corner against the far wall. But the bank of lockers that were against the perpendicular wall to the wall that Chewy's locker was on, those lockers extended all the way, and then Chewy's locker was, like, tucked in the corner of where those two walls met. So, like, when he would do interviews, like, I remember there was one time where a reporter uh, from a TV station got on the shoulders yeah. of another reporter <laughs> from the TV station to try and get a shot of him in this, like, little boxed-in area. Like, it was... It, 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 frankly, it was inconvenient, but it, it worked out great for Chewy because nobody went and talked to him. It was perfect. And, but they wanted to move me, Jason, once I got established. 
And I'm like, no, I'm not moving. It's a great place to take a nap. Great place to hide out. I love exactly. it. Right down the area from where it is wearing only his jock strap. Uh, Antonio Freeman demonstrated how to get off of uh, bump and run coverage on me. So, yes, a lot of memories in that locker room. But Luke Musgrave, I don't think I would like his dad uh, listening to how the reason why he takes criticism so well and was not phased at all from Lafleur chewing him out on the sideline a couple Mondays ago is because his dad used to just crush him apparently in high school. And he didn't like it at the time, but now it makes him be able to take criticism better. And I was like, eh, I don't think your dad and I would be pals. But uh, I was really impressed with him. It was a really good conversation. And, and you know, for a guy that has not lit the world on fire, uh, he's got 18 catches through five games, which puts him on a pretty good pace for a tight end who doesn't really know exactly what he's doing right now. Jason, how is the depth chart at tight end? Is is Kraft two third. or is he's third? Huh. So he's well. He's, I think among he's the, raw, raw. I, yeah, I. I mean, he. You know, and and Sand, and, and uh, South Dakota State is is obviously a lower level uh, program. And yes, he had a chance to make some NIL money apparently and, and go to Alabama or whatever. But the bottom line is is that as we talked about a million times. You know, that just is such a hard position to be good at right away as a rookie because you've got so many responsibilities. And and Ben Sims is going through the same thing, and so is Luke, right? I mean, all yeah. three of them are in varying degrees in the process of, of figuring this position out at the NFL level. So, you know, they, they have – I did notice that Josiah DeGuara on the team's depth chart is no longer a fullback. They've eliminated fullback position altogether from their depth chart. Uh, so I guess when it comes to doing things where it's not just running pass patterns, uh, Josiah is now somewhere in that mix at the top of the depth chart at tight end. But all three of those guys, and, and I think they're excited about, you know, what those guys have from a skill set potential standpoint. But, like, you know, there, I, the play that kind of summed it up for me for Tucker Craft and where he kind of is at is that they asked him to come across the formation uh, in the oh in and he whiffed Rangers on Hutchinson. You know, yeah, you know exactly. I mean, he, he didn't whiff. He's like he's grabbing onto the guy's leg yeah. like a child whose dad is headed to the airport to leave on a long business trip. Don't go, Daddy. Don't go. Don't <laughs> yeah. no tackle the quarterback, the best, Daddy. The best was when they were breaking it down on the like the telecast. Like, oh, let's see what we have here. Where's the hold? Yeah, that's a hold. Uh huh. Yep. Yeah. No doubt about that. Yep. It's just he just can't do that. Like yeah, but I used dog to. I did. His ankle. Jason, I used to do the same thing, but I was smart enough to do it in practice. Not when I was young. I. I did not want to do wham. You know what the wham is, Jason, where the tight end comes in short motion and cracks the yeah, nose? A wham, yes, a like, wham block, yes. Like, I am not cracking Gilbert Brown. <laughs> I don't care what the program says, 320, 330. The man is 360. I was 255. <laughs> I'm not doing it. So Holmgren would throw it out before we got to that point, or he put Jeff Thomason in to do the dirty work. So. <laughs> What a good friend you always were. <laughs> Poor JT. <laughs> uh, Jason, did Jair have a setback in practice yesterday? Uh, I think so. 
Uh, now, he came through the locker room. Uh, he did not make himself available to reporters. He he did compliment me on my shoes, which I always enjoy. Uh, and then I asked him how he was doing, and he said, I'm doing great. And then he kept walking. Uh, but he was added to the injury report. Uh, and when Matt LaFleur was asked by Rob Demosky, our buddy, when he was asked, did Jair finish practice? His answer was, he was limited. Now, I need to explain this for folks. Uh, the day that David Bakhtiari tore his ACL in practice on December 31st, 2020, he was added to the injury report as limited. Because he was, right? He started practice. him from yep. taking all of his reps in practice. So it, it, just so people understand what kind of Rob and I were thinking when we saw that on the injury report, uh, that is, hey, something's going on here. It could be nothing, and it could be just, you know, it tightened up a little bit and he needed to drop out of practice, or it could be he aggravated it. And while he can walk through the locker room and look fine, he's not in position to go out and play football on Sunday and be fine. We will see what his status is today. They also have to put the injury designation for the game onto the injury report. My guess is that he will potentially rest today, so not practice at all. Uh, be listed as questionable, and then we'll kind of be in limbo until we see if his back calms down. That's my guess. Jason, it's hard to call a game a must-win, but the Packers have to win this game, right? Otherwise... Or else what game? Panic! Or else what? Panic! Your favorite word, panic. That never gets enough credit for that relaxed <laughs> I know. Hey, look, because uh, it, it gets I mean, cut out, Jason. It got cut out of every replaying other than the live moments. But, like, you coming up, again, for those who don't know, in the famous Aaron Rodgers R-E-L-A-X clip of 2014, it was on the Aaron Rodgers show on ESPN Milwaukee with Jason. And when Aaron Rodgers said he had one word, five letters, he took a pause for dramatic effect. And in comedic effect, Jason Willey dove in headfirst and said, panic, which was hilarious. And it's five letters. Yeah, I'm very proud of that. Um, that and Couch still teases me for not being smart enough to trademark uh, R-E-L-A-X, which I could have made a lot off of those T-shirts. Um, look, I, I, don't, I don't believe there is such a thing as a must-win this season. Um, again, you and I, while we were... Uh, dashing all of Alex Strofe's hopes and dreams uh, when we did the State of the Packers show from Summerfest. Um, I've been on the same page throughout. I still think there have been more encouraging signs than maybe I expected early in the season, even though the last three games there haven't been many of them. They played basically one good quarter. Um, But I just, I don't view anything as a must win. Now that said, from a fan reaction panic standpoint i agree with well, the so mentality behind your state here's here's what i'm saying why i'm saying that jason and obviously it wouldn't be panic time in that locker room but the broncos roster stinks it's a bad roster so, does it yeah i hate to go i hate to go matt lafleur on you but you're kind of giving you're kind of giving off the vibes that somebody when they asked the question this week who pointed out that the I mean, you're playing a one-win team, and mm-hmm. Matt Lafleur, without skipping a beat, says, "Well, we're a two-win team." <laughs> <laughs> like, 
mean? Yeah. You know, like like they're not they're no great shakes either at this point. So I, I understand. What but you're but here's here's my my overall point Gabe, is Jason. If they score this... thirty one points offensively and lose, I'm okay. If Jordan Love three throws for three twenty, then I just want to see like their development sprinkled in on this roster for Denver. Are there's some decent talent? Like they don't have really anything at running back. I'm not a big Javante Williams guy. Jerry Judy was undressed nationally by Steve Smith last Thursday. Um, yeah, not good. Yeah, like and and I brought up Nick Benito earlier. He's having a tremendous start to his season as a second year player on the defensive side of the football. But they don't have a ton of talent on that roster. And I keep hearing, like, and people within the building and the, the people who thought that this potentially was a playoff team thought, oh, yeah, this team, that's got a ton of talent on it. You know, you've got people like uh, Dan Orlovsky on national television saying, oh, yeah, this Packers roster, it's got a lot of talent. You go into Denver and you lose this game, I got questions about whether or not they have talent. Yeah, I, I don't know who that guy is that you're referring to. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, look, I would, I would say this. I do think, I do think they have talent um they have potential uh within that talent but uh, again i am the i feel like you know Tausch and i have not gotten along on this uh in recent days because i just i keep emphasizing this youth thing and you know i have spent so much of my career around hall of fame quarterbacks and mostly veteran teams like for all the you know ted talk about how you know his teams were perpetually young and that's true um they always were the cornerstones were always veterans and one of ted's core beliefs was the reason why he would draft not for need but for best player available so often was that he did not want his draft picks to be pressed into immediate duty now if they had to if they had injury issues and young guys had to then move into more important roles during the course of the season, he was okay with that. He was not going out to get veteran journeymen. Uh, he wanted to see the guys either get called up from the practice squad or move up the depth chart that were young players, right? But they always had, from my time starting out in 1996 with Ron to most of the Ted regime, frankly most of the Goody regime too obviously with Rodgers and the teams that they had the last several years they had veteran players in most of the positions even if there was only one and there were young guys otherwise they had that and I just I I can't get over the wide receiver tight end stuff and we're only five games in like if we're 12 games in and Luke Musgrave is still running wrong routes and Romeo Dobbs and Musgrave are dropping balls, and Christian Watson is running past everyone but then not making a, a good play on the ball, uh, we can start having a conversation about talent then. But I still believe that these guys have t- uh, uh, immense potential talent. It's just they're so often where they make crucial mistakes because they don't know what the hell they're doing. My issue is their defense is not filled with this type of youth so to me, this is a not a must-win game, but a this defense. You mentioned you know not being all that impressed with their running back situation in Denver. Jerry Judy getting embarrassed. I mean, Mark Schlereth, who was on with us 
clearly hates Jerry Judy's guts too. <laughs> like, the, the, you know, their 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 offense. I understand Russell Wilson has had a lot of great years. His numbers are not as terrible as I thought they were, frankly, when I looked them up. Um, but this is the opportunity for this defense where Joe Barry talked about it at the beginning of the week about how inconsistent they've been. And he literally said, we go good game, bad game, good game, bad game, which I still can't believe he said, like admitting that his group has had bad games, like him confessing to that. So this is an opportunity to have back-to-back good games, right? They didn't, they were not the reason they lost to the Raiders. No. So this to me is the opportunity for them to Chewy's point I mean, if if the Packers lose this game and they lose thirty four to thirty one, and the offense puts up points finally after averaging seventeen points a game over the last three games, but the defense gives up thirty four to this outfit, then that might be a reason to be worried because then you have no reason to think that this defense is ever going to find any consistency. Jason, we appreciate the time. Look forward to more of your takes coming up on Wildey and Tausch at nine a.m. today. Take. Yeah, that's what you get from me. Takes. Yeah. All right, guys. Take care. Be good. Yeah, they they give takes. That's all they do on that show. Hot takes, back and forth. Wildey and Tausch, 9 a.m. right here on 94.5 ESPN. Craig Carmerson, he joins us next.